Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox, where my guests and I discuss the tools they use every day to manage life, trauma, and everything. It may not be applicable right now, but it's not a tool for your toolbox. And I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tools for the Toolbox. I am Chance Burles, as you know, and I have another outstanding guest. You're going to be amazed because I have another outstanding guest, but <laughs> we're going to jump into the same way I always do with who are you and what is your military background? Hey, um, hi, everybody. I'm JP Cervantes. Uh, my military background, holy snap. So it yeah, all, all started it. <laughs> when I was born. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I am actually a retired Chief Warrant Officer 3 out of Spe U.S. Army Special Forces, or better known as Green Berets. Uh, mm -hmm. But before before I went to Special Forces, I was actually in the infantry. So I was in the 82nd Airborne uh, as an infantryman. Then I went to Panama to the 587 Infantry. I, I spent a year over there. It was pretty cool, right? Because it was yeah. the last year that Panama was open anyways. We were shutting down uh, all the U.S. bases in Panama. So I got the last chance to go and check it out. That, that's and then sweet. after that, I went to Special Forces uh, Qualification course, you know, finish everything and just stay in Special Forces my, pretty much my entire career. Right on. And so, well, what do you, when did you get out? How long were you, well, how long were you in and then when did you get out? So I, uh, I did 17 years. Uh, I got a medical retirement at 17. Unfortunately, I got a Humvee rollover. I broke T4, 5, and 6, cervical 6 and 7, 13 bones in my face, full facial reconstruction, carotid artery was lacerated, dissected. I mean, you name it, it happened to me. But uh, <clears throat> So no big deal, right? Just a, just a little car accident. <laughs> no big deal. Guess what? The Humvee, <laughs> that Humvee was deadline. I was still working. Oh. So obviously, yeah. I won that fight. I'm just saying. Obviously, uh, yeah, 100%. So, no, but uh, no, I recovered pretty quickly, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I was not expected to even start walking until a year after the accident. And within, what, eight months, I was deploying again because I was just Damn. a dumbass and decided I feel good. I'm good. And, and I did great. To be honest, I did great for a few years. Uh, for about three years, yeah. I was rolling. Didn't feel anything. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, when you don't let your body heal, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Yep. And that's exactly what happened to me. I started having all the headaches or the migraines and uh, vision problems. And my own medics go like, hey, uh, chief, did you uh, did you get tested for TBI after your accident? And I'm like, TBI, what's that? <laughs> and he goes like, you need to go to the clinic. As soon as I went, man, they found all kind of stuff wrong with me. I'm like, and at that point, you know, I couldn't be in the team anymore. I'm like, you know what? They, they wanted me to stay in the team, but I'm like, no, I can't do that to you guys. I'll be putting you guys at risk, so I'll just go to a staff job, and I hated it, man. I'm, I'm glad they offered me a medical retirement. At first, I didn't want to take it because uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I got three years to go, but I knew it was going to be the most three miserable years of my life sitting on Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I did it, and I'm glad I did because I needed those three years anyways to let my body heal and recover. So I'm glad I did mm -hmm. it, and no regrets about that. Awesome. How long, so how long have you been out now? When did you, when did you get out? Uh, I'm a little bit young. Uh, I got out in 2011. 2011 okay. is when I retired. Back, back in the day now. Holy jeez. <laughs> so what have you been doing since then? So you, you took three years off to kind of recover. And then where, what'd you go next? Then I started uh, doing contracting, started my own company. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing contracting, uh, role player support uh i was a role player myself for uh marine corps for marsoc they're mm -hmm. the raiders um <clears throat> then i started training law enforcement uh providing support and training for the military as well uh for even for special forces <laughs> i even had the opportunity mm -hmm. to train the same guys i work with uh so that was nice. pretty cool um uh, yeah and that's what i've been doing and, and also private corporations we do a lot of uh corporate uh security uh consulting and things like that mm -hmm. so Right on. Then we got Bureau. we got heavily involved into uh, kidnapping for ransom and hostage rescue later mm -hmm. on, and then because of that, we ended up doing a lot of human trafficking recovery operations as well. Man, that is a um, an unbelievably prevalent problem that no one knows about. It like it blows my mind that when you most of the people, at least in the military that I know, have a general understanding of human trafficking, but the like the average citizen has. No idea 
as to no what happens and how it happens. It's mind blowing. You know, I tell people, if you live in a big city, if you got to drive at least 20 minutes to work every day, you experience human trafficking at some point during those 20 minutes. You just don't know how to recognize. Mm, that's a good point. Cause yeah, I mean, you there's have, all kind of, you, you know, the... a lot of people see human trafficking as the children that are, you know, put in a room and used for sex, right? That's yeah. the only human trafficking they see in their minds. There's all the ways of doing human trafficking. You know, you got the people that, that get brought in for a job and then all of a sudden there's no job. They got no passports. There's nothing they can do. And now you got to work yep. for free for the next five, 10 years until I let you go. Right. Yeah. That's to, human to trafficking. pay off your debt. Right. Yeah. You got to pay off your debt. The debt that you didn't have yeah. in the first place anyways, but I made up yeah. a debt for you. <laughs> but yeah, that exactly. is human trafficking. And a lot of people don't realize that. Man. So, well, and you are also doing the, the rock, right? The 222 or the, what's the. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. 222 mile rock march. That's the let's walk it out event that we do once a year. There we go. Let's walk do, it out. Yep. And that's uh, for suicide awareness and prevention. And trust me. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of people ask me, oh, so you guys do 222 miles throughout the year? Or like, no. We do 222 miles in 10 days. That's a, an average of 22 <laughs> miles per day. And trust me, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a long walk. <laughs> it's a long now, walk, especially here, when the fire department makes the wrong turn. <laughs> then you oh. got to add 23 miles to that day. <laughs> add a little bit. I'm sure, and they're sure they did it like by accident, right? Like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Take you on the big circle. Oops. Like, ah, ha, ha. Yeah. We're going to add a couple miles on here, just like the old instructors used to do, right? They'd run you past the barracks and be like, oh, yeah. no, there it goes. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask you what the event, what it does, how it helps, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. normally in the event, what we do is we bring a few foundations, right, that deal with uh, suicide awareness and prevention, whether it is because this benefits military, law enforcement, first responders, right, everybody, not just not yeah. just the military. Uh, so we bring organizations that that deal with that, and then they benefit from that event. All of the proceeds will be split between all the all the foundations that are picked that year. Um, mm -hmm. So you know they come in with their with their expertise, and also they bring their their um, anything that they get to offer, all their resources to the table as well. That way, other people can find those resources. So you know it, it is a big marketing. So we're marketing the foundations that come in. We're marketing their resources. We're making sure people are finding those resources as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then when we actually do the event, it's just amazing. Just the bringing everybody together uh, when we go through each town. I mean, we go from Fayetteville, North Carolina to Camden, June, North Carolina, and then back. So when we go through all those small towns, they really appreciate the military in, in the first place. Mm -hmm. So when we go by it and, you know, they see us walking, they come out running out of their houses and they, they say thanks, you know, they bring us treats and Gatorade. And uh, we had this one kid that came running and brought us one Gatorade. And there's like 10 of us walking and we're like, man, we really appreciate it. And he kept looking around because he couldn't figure out to which one of us he wanted to give the Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're like, don't worry, buddy. We'll split it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll pass so, it around. Everyone will get a sip. <laughs> yeah, everyone gets pass a sip. But but it, it's really cool because we got we got a guy that he never served in the military, but he was a first responder. He was a firefighter, and he was actually 9-11. He lost a lot of guys over there in New York when he was in the fire mm -hmm. department over there. And um, he drove from New York to North Carolina to join us for one day. Damn. And we're like, That's awesome. Man, and he was hurting, but that guy did not quit. He said, I will, if you guys got to drag me along the route, you will drag me, but I'm not stopping until we finish the 22 miles yeah. of today. And he did. That's outstanding. That so is it's outstanding. pretty cool. You know, it brings a lot of people together. It, it just spread the word. It just get uh, people talking about the issue because a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Right. They're like, "Ooh, don't talk suicide. It's a taboo. It's like, but if you don't talk about it, people don't know about it. Exactly. Right? And then if you talk about it, maybe the people that are thinking suicide are more willing to talk about it themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, that is that is awesome that, you know, we uh, I run a similar event, not that kind of an event. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have a we I I do the Canadian Walk for Veterans and we do it's a 5k jaunt like it's meant to be a, a a stroll but the whole point is so that people can get out and walk with their yeah, veterans the with their first the responders one. right Oh yeah it was nice it, uh and John just decided one day that he was going to walk 76k for for the walk and I was like well damn all right way to put us all to shame there but <laughs> thanks for the uh <laughs> No, he, like, that was awesome. I'm gonna one up you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he's uh awesome dude. I I love it. But again, the the point is just to get people talking to each other, right? Correct. We can always learn something. We can always engage with somebody. And you know, rarely here in Canada do most average citizens get to actually interact in a non formal environment without the the barrier of uniform or you know yeah you know what i'm talking about so it's i totally get it it's nice to see organizations connect with the communities so that people actually can talk about this stuff because that's you're right everything it just needs to be in the air yeah it's a hard topic those a lot of things but the, the more open you are the easier it is to do yep um so you well with your medical release then and uh, three years of recovery. How did the transition go for you? Was it like an easy one? Did the VA take care of you? Or was it just like a complete shit show? Uh, so when I first transitioned, luckily for me, when, when I did my medical retirement, before you used to do your retirement, you retire and then you put in your VA claim, right? Uh, mm. And then you got to wait whatever amount of months <laughs> to get yep. your rating <laughs> and then get your first payment from the VA. Fortunately for me, when I started doing my medical retirement, they already had started a process where when you're doing your medical retirement at the same time, when you're doing those appointments for your medical retirement, you're doing the appointments for your VA claim. So mm. you do everything that you need to do medically before you even get out. So before I got out, I already knew my rating for the VA. Luckily for me, and I say this luckily for me because I know some people that were medically retired at the same time I did, and it didn't happen for all of them, just for a few of us. But the same day my first uh, retirement check kicked in, the same day my first VA payment came in. So there nice. was no lack on yep. on funding, right, if, if you want to put it that way. Uh, yep. So there was no lack of, of, you know, I had to wait two months or three months, which a lot of people have to. So I, I was lucky in that sense. And then when I went to medically, medical wise, when I went to the VA and, and registered for the VA and get all their services, I didn't have a problem. I actually want to say I never had a problem with the VA per se until probably about two years ago. Uh, but besides that, every time I needed something, every time I went to the VA, I never had a problem. But again, same people that use the same VA that I go to have problems. So I think it's just, yeah. it's just luck. That's the way I look at it. It's just luck. Yeah. It, it really can be sometimes just who you get that day or who's the one signing your paperwork on that day. Like what? Yeah. I, I had a similar, similar experience. Actually, my, my release was pretty good. I had um, all the paperwork thrown in front of me before I was out. I signed, we applied for everything. I found out that I was going to get covered. Uh, I think there was a period where my last paycheck to my first, um, like medical paycheck came in was like three weeks. So it wasn't even outside the norm. So it would just click. And then I was on the next program and the VA was taking care of me at that point. So, uh, but I, I also know many, many people <laughs> that have had nothing but problems, nothing but fights, nothing but delays. And it, it's uh, part of the reason why we do the walk. Part of the reason why I do the podcast is so that everyone can again hear and see that the standard isn't the same. Correct. And it should be. <laughs> that's that's what I tell people when, when they ask me, hey, JP, how your VA? I just want to know how to, I'm like, man, I can tell you my experience, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be your experience. Uh, everybody's experience with, with transition is completely different. Uh, now that we can share some tools that made it easy for us, that's different. But everybody's transition is different. Uh, mine, man, besides the VA and, 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 you know, retirement pay and all that, my, bro, it, it was rough. 
it was it, to be honest it was it was rough like yeah. i had no idea what to do with my life of course after 17 years all you know is getting up in the morning and going to work going and do pt and all that stuff right yeah. and i had no no idea no idea what to do um there was a bunch of times when i got up started getting dressed in uniform and then i realized one not only i'm retired and two is freaking saturday right so, yeah. <laughs> So just see put putting the camis on me like ah shit. <laughs> so at one point it happened so many times that I had to literally grab my uniforms from my closet and put them away so I didn't mm. you know didn't keep making the same mistake of getting up and trying yeah. to get dressed to go to work. That's how bad yeah. it was. And uh muscle memory man, it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, and then he got, you know there was a few times that I sat there when I realized oh shit, you don't need to put this on. You don't need to go to work. You get that sensation of, oh, yeah, I'm free. And then all of a sudden you get sad. You're like, why? Why do I have to go back to war? But I want to go back. To I miss the guys, right? You don't mm -hmm. miss the army. You don't miss the system. You miss your teammates. That's what you miss. Yeah. You, you miss the mission that you were doing that you like, right? That's yep. what really what you miss. So, yeah, it, it was tough for a few years. Plus, you know, I, I had a lot of financial burdens during those years. So there was a... There was years and months of eating ramen and dollar store cheese, right? So it, mm -hmm. it happened. Yeah, it happened. I was struggling for a while, but uh, but I did have a lot of friends that always tried to, you know, keep my hopes up, keep me up, and talk to me all the time, and that really mm -hmm. helped. So if, if yeah, you're man. out there and you know any of your friends are struggling, man, even that you cannot financially or physically help them, just talking to them will make a big difference because I know it did for me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I had, a, like I said, a lot of struggles. I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And then finally I said, you know what? I need to start doing something. I, I got a lot of skills. I got a lot of experience that I can put back into the people that are now in, all the new guys that are in. Uh, so that's when I decided to start doing role players work so I can enroll mentor people while role playing. Uh, so sense. that, yeah. you know, I started guys that wanted to go in in the army they started asking me you know questions on instagram and i like oh man i can give back somehow i'm like hey you can do this here's a pt program i didn't put it together somebody else did but it's great you know and, and kind of like that actually kind of helped me feel that i was actually doing something good that i that i'm actually needed you know what i'm saying even that nobody yeah. really needs me but i felt like i was needed and and that was really something yeah. that actually kept me going Absolutely. It's such a great feeling. That's why I, I, know, I know a lot of guys that get out of service and then go right back into a different style of service because we, we want that feeling of being able to give back, being able to teach, being able to mentor, being able to pass on the knowledge because it's really important to pass on the knowledge. Now, if you could go back to day one, talk to yourself, hey, go, hey, JP, what would you tell yourself to make the, that journey a little bit easier? If I could go back, I will tell myself the same thing I tell other people because I give this advice to other people because I went through it the wrong way, right? Okay. When, when I got out and I was struggling and my, my son, I was, I was already, you know, getting divorced. So my son was with me on the weekends, every weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, when my son was here, I was, it was all about my son, right? Boom. It's good. My son is here and having a good time, taking him out, doing everything with my son. But then when he was gone, I went right back into the dark hole, right? Until the next week. So yeah. one thing that I can say is like, if I could go back to that time, I will say that I need to keep the same spirit I have with my son when he was not around, because that started eventually uh, reflecting when I was with him. Uh, and I think at some, you know, not immediately, but years later, he noticed that there was something wrong, right? Yeah. And that happened because when he was not here, I was feeling sorry for myself. I was feeling down. I was feeling in the dark hole. And I was like, you know what? He's not here. So I'm going to be a piece of crap from Monday until Friday afternoon that I got to pick him up at school. And then I'll be badass again. And then I'll be yeah. badass until Monday morning when I drop him off at school. And then I'll be a piece of shit again. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and I, that's the part that I wish I could have left out, right? I could have yeah. just, hey, 
take that same momentum you build during that weekend with your son and start actually building something for you as well. And I did. Yeah. What, what did you use? What did you use to build yourself back up again? I mean, I, I think eventually it was just him. It was yeah. uh, what really built me up was me watching my son looking up to me. And I go like, he's looking up to me because he didn't know, he, right? He didn't know how I feel about myself. But then eventually I go mm -hmm. like, you know what? If he's looking up to me, if he tells me all the time, you're my hero, you're this and that. And I'm like, then I got to be that hero. I got to be that guy. I, 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 there's, you know, there's no questions about it. I cannot just pretend yeah. to be that guy. I have to be that guy. And in order to do that, I got to be better so I can be better for him. Because if, <laughs> right? If, if I'm not taking care of myself, how am I going to take care of my son? Exactly. And that's the way, that's really what built me up, to be honest with you. No, that's a great point. I mean, the I've, I've actually told other people this too, is that if you if you're unable to sustain yourself, how can you sustain anyone else? And if all you're doing is giving of yourself to other people, you're going to run out. Oh, yeah. You're going to run out. And that's it. Yeah. Yep. And then what? Right. And then now you're letting that person down. And now and you so you have to be able to put yourself in the front. And I, I, this happens all the time with basically pretty much every military person I know is we always go the mission men self. Right? Mm -hmm. that, that's how it is. But when you're out, it's so easy to just go mission men mission men oh, mission yeah. men and this the little self thing you're like well no I, I have other stuff to do right you got to take care of the house you got to take care of that person you got to get this mission done you got to get that mission done and there's always something else until you actually have to go back and look at yourself and go oh wait right me too <laughs> there's you some, know, somewhere you said something earlier that that we want to give back right yeah but a lot of times what we forget is that we want to give back but we're giving everything we're giving everything yeah. from us but but we're not giving anything to ourselves right we're giving everything mm -hmm. we got we're giving everything to everybody else but what yeah. are you giving are, what are we, you, you giving to yourself what what are you doing to take care of yourself because right now what you're doing is draining yourself giving back to everybody else but you mm -hmm. so at some point you got to take a little time for yourself absolutely i think Actually, what it comes from, I had this little thought the other day, um, where, why it happens so regularly is because we're used to being in a team where everybody does that, right? So I can give of myself fully because somebody else is giving of themselves fully. Yep. So if I start to, you know, uh, fall back a little bit, someone else is going to cover. If I'm, uh, if I need to go get orders, my team's going to make me a meal. Right. So I don't have to think about myself because the team's going to think of me Correct. But when you get out and you're by yourself and you don't think of yourself because you're th like, we're so ingrained to think that someone else is not actively thinking that someone else is going to take care of us, but we're just used to stuff. If I'm doing something, stuff will show up. But man, then it it. And let me tell you, it's exhausting, man. It's exhausting. Yeah, it uh, I remember. Exhausting. Oh, I want to say it was probably. A little bit over a year ago, uh, no, it's, it's been probably a, a, a little bit over two years now. I remember I was doing a lot of stuff and, and it, you know, I was going to different uh, shows like SHOT Show and SOFIC mm -hmm. and um, I'm doing uh, presentations and doing speaking events and all that is volunteer work that I was doing. Plus, I was running my company and doing a lot of stuff. And at one point, I felt so drained. I was so yeah. tired. And I remember uh, my friend that, that you, you probably, you, I don't know if you, she's from the Special Force Foundation, but Kristen, I remember her one day looking at me and saying, JP, yeah, you need to just take a break. And she just, she just said, you need to clear your calendar, calendar for a month. It's like you yeah. do and do and do and do for everybody else and you're not taking care of yourself. And I go like, no, 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 I got, I got two more events that I got to go and do. And she goes like, and because they were for Special Force Foundation, she goes like, no, you're not. You're not doing them. You, you're going to take a break. You're going to relax for a month and just do you, whatever you want to do, whether it is sitting at home, going to the bar and drinking, whatever, but it's for you. You're not doing it for anybody else. 
And let me tell you, I, I took a month. It made a big difference. It made a big difference. Yeah. It just drains you, man. It just drains you. And then you're trying to, to, uh, to be what everybody else wants you to be, right? Everybody wants you to be this guy. Everybody wants to be that guy. And then mm -hmm. uh, meet everybody's expectations, you know? Yep. Oh, my God. I, at some point, you go like, bro, can I, can I just take a nap? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a cot somewhere? I just want to lay yeah, down again. I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a killer, man. And it will... I, I don't know how many advocates I've seen come and like, they do the same thing, right? Like oh, I got lots, let's get her done. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to go over here and blah, blah, blah. And you're just sitting there like, okay, we'll see you in six months. See how that feels. Right. Like in as much as you can tell others to be like, yo man, like bring it down. Just take your, take your foot off the gas a little bit. It, uh, sometimes you just got to learn the hard way. Yeah, I did. And well, let me tell you, sometimes like I haven't done it lately, like in the last few months, I've been really, really chill. Uh, yeah. But let me tell you, sometimes I go and go and go and go and it takes somebody else to tell me to slow down. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and not, now I learn now, though, that when somebody tells me that. I don't I don't take it as an offense, something offensive, right? Like, why, why are you telling me to slow down now? I go like, oh. Snap. Okay. Let, let me figure out what's going on, all the stuff that I got going on. Man, yeah, I need to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it's really fascinating actually, I find, to to see how far like I used to go back when I first started getting into advocacy and how much stuff I would do constantly. And then I look at what I do now and I'm like, hmm. Quantity versus quality. Right. Yeah. I'm spending my time doing the things that I really care about that I want to get done. And I'm pacing myself enough that I can, you know, make it through all these things. Whereas before I would have just, you know, drive the body, drive the body, drive the body. And then, you know, and, the and that's one thing when you get into advocacy, right? When you try to help people, you know, especially with PTSD and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. A few weeks ago, I got a message from, from a friend of mine that goes like, Hey man, I'm struggling right now. Can we talk? But bro, I was struggling myself. Right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, my reply to him was like, bro, I'm a freaking mess right now. I'm the last person you need to talk to. And he was like, right. You're not going to my next number. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I mean, I was struggling. Is... I, I really was. And there was no way I yeah. could help him. Cause I'll probably tell him, Hey man, how about we go and get messed up and start shooting it up? Let's see what happens. Yeah. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, no, that was, that was mm -hmm. not a good idea. <laughs> and you know, I've, I've had to do the same thing, you know, two o'clock, two o'clock in the morning calls of, Hey, I'm not doing well. And I'm like, sorry, man, I, I don't have it in me right now. Or, or here's another person you could call, try this person. Or like, yeah. you have to be able I mean, to set up those boundaries and yeah, say, and that doesn't mean that you don't care. That means that absolutely. you, when, when you start advocating for things like this, you get drained as well. You know, you, you, mm -hmm. a lot of times we try to take the burden of other people on us as well. So when you do that, you also need a break. There's times that you won't be able to help someone. Yep. Yeah. And you have to be so okay with that. So we can barely hear ourselves at that point. How are we going to tell somebody <laughs> else? You know? Absolutely. Uh, I find the, the letting go of the judgment was a big one. Finally, like letting go of the judgment of myself of like, oh, I let that guy down. No, no, I didn't. Like he might, he might feel let down, but I'm taking care of myself in that moment. And that's what's important because. Correct. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk, we were talking earlier about um, visualization. And I think this was such a great point when we were uh, messaging back and forth because I haven't talked about it a lot. And it's not only effective physically for when you're, uh, you know, running drills or uh, trying to figure out what your next goal is, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really good for stepping out of your own body and like detaching when you're really agitated and being able to try and figure something else out or, or apply it to uh, art, for instance, like we were talking about. But um, the question I had for you was, how did you, how did you make that transition when you, like we use, visual, yeah, we use visualization in the military all the time, right? You're going to do drills. 
I'm going to do this, blah, 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 blah. You can envision it in your head, and then you work through it. How did you make the connection between doing the drills to art? Because that seems like a big jump. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a big jump. Uh, you're talking about the arts that I do, right? Once in a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is a big jump. So uh, I didn't even think about it, to be honest. Uh, it was before I even retired, I went to Richmond Polytrauma Clinic. And uh, when I went over there, they had all kind of different therapies that they had, that, that we had to do, right? And one of mm -hmm. them was not even a therapist. It was this person that came in and tried to do a lot of art or, you know, show you how to build, mo you know, model cars or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, and they just left you a lot of stuff. They're like, hey, play with it, do whatever you want. And I never wanted to do it when he was there because... To be honest, I was like the only special forces guy in there and I needed to be tough and I'm not going to be playing with a model car. No, that's for kids. Uh, give me guns. I'll put them together. I'll clean them. <laughs> yep. But they didn't allow guns in the facility, so <laughs> I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, but one day I'm sitting over there and it was a weekend. There's nobody. Everybody's gone doing whatever. And I'm sitting over there and like, let me start playing with this. And I started putting a little tank together. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put this together and I'm going to give it to my son. Yeah. And bro, let me tell you, I think I started doing that thing like at 10 o'clock in the morning. Next thing I know, I haven't even got lunch. It's like five o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm still over there looking, putting glue, putting stuff together. And I'm like, and it was so relaxing. I didn't even realize how long it's been. And I go like, man, this feels really good. So I took a little, a little kit and I brought it to my own room because I'm like, nobody's going to watch me doing this in public. <laughs> so I took it to my room, man. And I spent days and nights just building stuff. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. So I get out of there. Now, fast forward years later, when, when my son was staying with me on the weekends, uh, one day we went downtown and I remember that uh, in his school, he went to this art place down here, downtown, uh, uh, Greg's Pottery. And they got a lot of pottery over there and stuff like that. So I go like, hey, JP, you want to go back to that pottery place? And he goes like, yeah, papi, let's do it. So I went over there and I bought a little art for my sons to start painting. And the lady goes like, hey, uh, would you like one to paint as well? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, let me compete with my son who gets the best one. <laughs> Man, bro, I started painting that thing and time just flew by and I was so relaxed and normally I'm always paying attention to who's around me, who's coming, who's not coming. I didn't even care. Like you can come in there and start shooting up the whole place and I will probably still be painting my, my little elephant that I was playing yeah. <laughs> painting mm -hmm. at that point. Right. I'm like, Oh, elephant has got to look good. I don't care what you're doing. And uh, I found that so relaxing that later on, I just started doing it on my own. Um, right. I, I think I posted one of those on, on Instagram, uh, I think months ago, and everybody was making fun of me about it. I'm like, dude, you got no idea how relaxing it is. You go over there, you do your painting, whether, you know, whether you're doing that, I know guys that got into knitting hats, right? Yeah. And like, and they feel very relaxed doing that. It's whatever you can find to make you forget about what's going around you. Not, not totally forget, but just get distracted. Uh, mm -hmm. It's going to be good. And when you live there, even if you got a shitty art, you're going to feel accomplished. I did this. Yep. It was fun. I was relaxed. And you know what? It's my art. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Right? Yeah. So I think it's a good thing to do. Uh, if anybody out there that want to try it, I'm telling you whether it's painting, whether it's painting pottery, whether it's do doing the actual pottery yourself. A lot of people get into mm -hmm. that. Kind of like the movie Ghost, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you get Patrick Swayze, like, reaching around on top of you and stuff. Make sure you look like nice Patrick Swayze, though. If, if you don't look like Patrick Swayze, then... <laughs> <laughs> That's a no-go at that point. It's a no-go at well, that point, bro. Do you think, um, do you think it's the, the focus? Because I know, like, when, I, when I'm running drills, I'm super focused. Right? Like, that's the only thing in the world at that point in time for me is that I am... The, the rifle or the pistol and me are one and we just, I just work, 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 work. And then, yeah, time disappears. Do you think there's a difference between the work side of it, of the focus versus the artistic side of the focus? Or do you think it's like the two sides of the same coin? 
Yeah, it's two sides of the same coin. I don't think there's a big difference. It's just, it's a different task, but it's still the same mm. focus, right? Uh, when you're when you're doing that that art, whatever that might be, not only your focus, but the attention to detail also is something that we like, right? So yep. we're paying attention yep. to detail, and if the paint, you know, uh, went too far to the right, no, that's not how I wanted it. Oh, I messed up, right? Now retraining or whatever, right? So yep. it's the focus and the attention to detail is really what makes us relax, uh, because that's what mm. we've been doing our entire careers. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I, I always think of, um, you know, working on what's important. And and at that point in time, getting that that little blue streak right in the line, <laughs> that's important. Yeah. Or attaching. I remember I did this. I've been doing models most of my life. And uh, I did this really awesome pirate ship back when I was a kid. And uh, it was, uh, I think it was like, maybe nine or 10 inches long. It had rigging. Like I actually had to put the things on. It had all the little cannons that you had to glue on specifically by itself. And uh, I, I did the same thing. You get totally engrossed in it and you were just, everything in the world is in there. Um, yeah. But I think also what it does is it like, it allows us to break something big into smaller pieces. Correct. Do you find that that helps that way too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Uh, <laughs> I always joke about this, but about about forty percent of veterans' business, what are they? T-shirt companies. Yeah. Right. They they gotta make the mold. They gotta do this. They gotta do that. They gotta print them. They gotta make sure it's high quality. Once again, focus on attention to detail. Attention to detail. What the other forty yeah. percent are? The other forty percent are woodworking. They get into woodworking. Yep. They make flags. They yep. make tables. They make whatever you want. Why? Again, is the focus and attention to detail. It's relaxing. And then yep. the other twenty percent, you know, they just do whatever. But those two are big. Are big t-shirt companies, t-shirt head, embroidery, you know, and then your woodworking companies. That yep. makes about sixty to seventy to eighty percent of veteran business. And absolutely that that right there. There's a reason for it. It's I think there's therapy. 10% of coffee too. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, coffee companies as well. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's the same process, right? Attention yeah, to detail. Attention to detail, the focus that you need, and it's just therapy for you. Yeah. Think about it. So, how does the visualization play into it for you? How, do you pre work out like what you want something to look like ahead of time? And then work it out in your head and then run through it? Or is it just like as you're doing it, it's it's kind of No, so so I normally do my, my mission planning, right? <laughs> <laughs> do you draft a set of orders for yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's an entire operation orders and everything. No, I, yeah. I look at it and I go like, okay, what do I think I want this to look like? What colors do I want to use? Even before I go and pick the colors, right? And then mm -hmm. I look at it and I go like, okay, what colors do I want to use? Uh, do I want to do the whole... Do I want to do color by color or do I want to do a base color first and then put the other colors on top? I mean, I think about all that stuff, trust me. And based yeah. on that, then I go and tell the lady, it's like, I would like that color, that color, that color. I need a lot of this one because I got to use it for base. And she's like, got it, right? So I already got a plan. Now, that a lot of times that plan change during the process? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's not the plan change. It's just I forgot what my plan was in the first place and then I just you know, wing it from there. <laughs> wing it. That's awesome. Well, no plan survives first contact, right? The moment that paintbrush hits the uh, the canvas, well, I don't know idea what I'm doing now. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. I, uh, I think a lot of it also, especially not only the physical drills, but the artistic side, um, or like I find jujitsu really helps. I find uh, anything that involves physical movement for me, that's a big one. Um, but I also love fabricating. I love doing metalwork. I love doing woodwork. I love doing all the kinds of stuff. It is, as you said, <laughs> I can see why uh, apparel, woodworking, and coffee are the three, like, what are the three things we do in when we're in the military? We look for cool shit. We like building stuff. And we drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> so, there you go. So I think it helps to, like, it just it's going through the motions still, right? You're still kind of doing the same work just at a slightly different angle. 
putting stuff together. We've been doing that in the military for a long time, right? You you put your weapons yeah. together, you put your uniform together, you you put your rucksack together, all that. So anything that is that you can actually visualize, you can put your hands on and and you can move left, right, and make sure it's center and all that stuff is perfect mm -hmm. because that's what we always done. You know, you go to your team room and you make sure that the desks are in the right spot, that the computers are either on the left or on the right or in the middle, not one here, one there, one there, right? So you're always making sure yep. everything is aligned. That's what we do. I, I it's not on CD, it by the way. It's just that we like it oh, done yeah. right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, it, it's always it has to be done a certain way, regardless of what that way is. It has to be the same yeah. across the board. And yeah, I remember uh, I, I was <laughs> I, I got put in charge of my boat ops section, so I had like fourteen dudes underneath me at one point, and we pulled out all of our assault boats checked them, inflated them, put them back down, put baby powder in them, folded them up. And we got to the second one and I saw somebody put a corner in that didn't go in until afterwards. And I was just like, no, that is not happening. <laughs> like, I had to sort it out right away so that each one of the boats were folded exactly the same way. And all of our stores were lined up the same thing. It's uh, when you go for into the offices, it's always like you said, computers are either on the left, on the right, in the middle yeah <laughs> but it's not it's not all over the place it can't be it has to be the same um the how do you how do you take what you use artistically now and the visualization you use that and how do you how do you apply that to everything else you do so like the like the 222 ruck or um even in consultancy or anything like that how do you how do you then reuse the same tools from a different aspect. So the way I look at it is, is not the artistic visualization, visualization tool. It's the same tool I've been using in the military before, which is visualization, right? So mm -hmm. <clears throat> I just applied it to the artistic side. Uh, oh. But bro, like, let me tell you, you got no idea how many times I ran through the 222 mile rock march in my head. I think I had like a hundred different scenarios on how that was going to play out, uh, how the opening ceremony was going to play out, how day one was going to be, how day two was going to be, how the turnaround point was going to be, which was completely different. I thought we were going to get to uh, the turnaround point at Kamla June. We we're going to stop there and there was going to be a big party and we were going to have a, a drinks, you know, and all that and ended up being nothing but me and Ryan crying because we made it to... <laughs> We made it to the, to the turn point and we forgot we even had whiskey to celebrate. Yep. <laughs> so, so, you know, it was like, it was completely different, but uh, we ended yep. up having the whiskey before we left though. But uh, yeah, it, it, so you visualize how everything is going to go. Uh, that doesn't mean it's going to happen that way, but you at least, at least you run through it. You got a plan. You got kind of like an idea of what's going on. And it, I mean, I'm pretty sure you do this. I do this all the time. I walk into a business and you sit down and the first thing you look is where the where the doors are, where the exits are, who's sitting there. If And mm -hmm. then how many times you've done this? You're sitting over there and you start visualizing somebody comes in with a gun right now and can grab this, I can do that. Uh, if that person at the table decides to get rowdy, I can do I mean, it, if the guy behind the bar does this, I can do that. I mean, you run through that in your head in about probably 20 seconds you go through about a hundred different scenarios of what could happen in that place and how you're going to react about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And guess oh, yeah. what? And if it happens, you probably don't even react the way you thought you were going to react in the first yeah. place, but, <laughs> but you run through it in your head. That makes you better prepared than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It blows me away actually that so many people go through life without understanding that shit can happen at any point in time. And you can either be ready for it, even just in the slightest amount of going through it in your head, like, yeah, okay, that could go down or that could go down or that could go down. Uh, and just like wander through life as if like, oh, this is happening now. Oh, like with absolutely no preparation work whatsoever. It's uh Yeah, I just had a, a guy not too long ago. I mean, I mean, actually a long ago, it's like three years maybe. And he told me, you don't understand. I train a lot. I'm hard to heal. <laughs> 
And I'm like, all right, bro. And I'm like, yeah. great. Uh, nobody's hard to kill. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm hard to kill. I know how this many martial arts. I can draw this fast. I can do this. I can do that. I'm like, I go like, are you married? And he was like, yeah. And I go like, okay. You know what? Tonight when you're sleeping, your wife gets mad at you, grabs a knife while you're sleeping and stabs you. What's that hard? And he goes like, huh? And like, that was not hard. What? He's like, that was very easy. You were sleeping. And he goes like, yeah. huh? Nobody's hard to kill. It's just a matter of the circumstances. Right. Yeah. So you could be stand, you can be the most badass guy I know. And you could be standing at a grocery store and all of a sudden somebody starts shooting and it just happens that the first bullet got you. Yeah. I don't care how badass you yeah. are. You didn't have a chance to react. You didn't have a chance to employ your skills. You didn't have a chance to do anything. Yeah. It just got you done. Yeah. Yeah. How many, like you could just get nailed by a car out of nowhere, right? They could smash through a building into yep. you. You just happen to be that guy. I, uh, I had a buddy of mine, um, Seb Lavoie. He's an awesome dude, former, uh, ERT with the RCMP here for 20 years. He was Sergeant Major. He's unbelievable, like warrior, black belt in jujitsu. Uh, anyway, he went in for surgery, uh, to have, uh, an issue sorted out. It was a pretty normal surgery. The love, the, uh, the chances of anything bad happening were in like the millions to one kind of deal. And somebody's got to be that one. And it just happened to be him. No, <laughs> so he, had, he got compartment syndrome, uh, lost most of his calf. They had to remove it just from the necrotic tissue and stuff like that. And now he's dealing with that. And that could very easily happen. Like you could go in for dental surgery, have something bad happen. You're gone. Yeah. doesn't matter how hard to kill you were, right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many, amazingly how many easy people are in what, what the doctors call perfect physical and health conditions? Mm. And all of a sudden, they get a heart attack and die. Yep. Bang. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Nobody knows why. Yeah. No. So what do you, uh, how do you use visualization then? in your everyday life, not just in, you know, artistic sides or your work life. Do you use it in your everyday life? Do you, how do you employ it there? I do actually, uh, not all the time. I wouldn't say I use it all the time, but once in a while, like can be sitting in the backyard and see neighbors in the back. I try to visualize what's going on, you know, what happens if they're doing this or they're doing that, or, or I'm looking in my front yard and I see somebody walking by that I don't recognize. And I go like, Yep. Okay, who's that guy? If he moves here, I'm going to do that. You, you know, I mean, you do that all the time. And I, and I think everybody does it, right? Every single person does this in their life. I don't care whether they're trained or not. You're going to do it. Yeah. The difference is you do it and you don't realize that you're doing it. And then you really have no plan about it. Then people right. like us, we do it. We know we're doing it. And by the way, we're coming up with a plan in case our visualization comes true. So, right? So, yeah. Yeah. so, but we do that all the time, man. We do that all the time. I mean, just earlier before I got into podcast, I went to the gym. I sat, I went to the gym and the first thing I did is like, okay, I know I want to work shoulders. Uh, I'm going to use that machine first. Then I'm going to go over there and I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to go over there and I'm going to grab the dumbbells and do this. Then I got to do my, my, you know, my, my, uh, app right. workout. Then I'm going to do cardio. So, Real quick, I figure out the routine or the process or the system I was going to use to get to the end state, right? Yeah. That's exactly what A-U-B I did. A, B, to C, to D. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, makes, I just didn't go there and be like, sense. huh, let me grab this. And then I got done with that. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what next. No, I, I had a plan. I visualized it. Yeah. Now, that when I went there, maybe somebody was using the one equipment I wanted to use. That's different. But you visualize yep. what you want to do first. So visualization is something that we all do. And we need to do. Yeah. It, it is we just need to figure out how to utilize life. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I can't, yeah, I, I, it's amazing how we do it just kind of nonchalantly, right? <laughs> like the fact that we have training in it and we, we're, we use it pretty regularly, but, um, I think you're right. I think everybody does it just automatically. They just have to be able to tap into it, recognize that it's happening. Correct. And then utilizing it to make a plan because otherwise you're just, I don't know, blissfully wandering through life. <laughs> I was going to say something similar. I was going to strolling through life, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah same thing. Um, 
Now, you also have a podcast, right? Tell me a little Correct. about uh, VTSR. VTSR, yep. We've been uh, we've been quiet for a while. Uh, we, but we're gonna get started soon again. But yeah, we uh, we're just trying well, to revamp me. a few things. What's it all about? Tell me, for anybody that doesn't know about it, tell me what uh, what do you guys do? What's the plan? So What's VTSR the... podcast, Veterans Trans- Transition Support Recon Show, is about uh, basically transitioning out of the military or. So we don't only do military, we also do, do law enforcement, first responders, uh, you know, how hard it was after your 20, 30-year career, all of a sudden trying mm-hmm. to transition back into the civilian world. What were your struggles? Uh, what recommendations do you have for other people? What things can, could you done better? Kind of like this one, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And one thing that we found out, you know, uh, when we first started the podcast, a lot of people told me, it's like, hey, why, why are you including first responders? And I go like, because they go through a lot of shit too. And somebody told me they don't do anything. They're always in a, in an ambulance. And I go like, you know what? You know, when we go to war, we go to combat, we see a lot of horrible shit, right? And we do mm-hmm. a lot of horrible stuff that we have mm-hmm. to But guess what? When I come home, I'm home, right? These people got to work and see horrible stuff. And every day, a lot of times, they drive right by the same place they experience that horrible stuff. Yeah. And guess what? The next day, they see another one and another one mm-hmm. and another one. And everywhere they go in their city, they're driving by the same places they have to experience that very same horrible thing that happened, whatever that was. You know? Yeah. So how hard, how hard must that be? They, don't, they technically don't get to go home yeah. from work. Home yeah. is work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my buddy John put it really well at one point uh, was that he said, you know, as a as a soldier, you get to go somewhere and do stuff and then come home, right? And it's like stepping out of your house to go deal with, to deal with stuff, but then always having that safe haven, same mm-hmm. way, right? Like you can go back into your house and you're okay. And for them, they just step into their backyard like it's not even they don't even get to step out of their house so much as that it's always there and then you're like you said you're going to drive past it when you're not working you're going to drive past it again when you are working i got lots of buddies who are first responders and i always say they just do this they do the same job we do they just do it here versus we do it over there so absolutely they should be included and we how many military personnel leave the military and become first responders yep no it's true (laughs) it's true it's not like we're uh, we're completely separate people, or you know, we don't use the same vernacular or the same friggin' uh, uh, like same radio procedures, same everything. It's just, yeah, it's kind of silly to not include them. It, yep, <laughs> at least in my mind. Um, well, I can't thank you enough, brother. It has been we've been going for a little bit, almost an hour here. Um, any final points on visualization or anything that you uh, that we Mr. Bypassed? No, I don't think visualization. I don't think I got anything on that. But transitioning, uh, I do want to say, you know, if, if you retire, if you're this more for the people that are retiring after 20, 30 years, or maybe 15 years, mm-hmm. right? Whatever. Uh, a lot of people, when they're retiring, what I, what I realize is that they want to get out and immediately jump into that $100,000 job, right? That is going to pay them a lot of money and they want to buy a bunch of cars and stuff like that. And then uh, some are set already with a promised job that they will get and get. Others are not. So a lot of times what I tell people is like, listen, you already, you already been gone. You already worked your ass off the last 15, 20, 30 years, right? Take a little time for yourself. Mm -hmm. How many football games you miss from your kids? How many, you know, recitals you miss or whatever? It's like, this is the time for you to take time for yourself and for your family. Because if you're retiring, you got money. Just don't don't do what a lot of people do. That is my retirement car. Right before I retire, you're going to buy my retirement car. Mm -hmm. I'm a retirement house. Like, no, man. Keep your old car. (laughs) Keep your old house. Right? Relax. Make sure that all that money that you're getting in your retirement, that it's going to pay all your bills. And then you can relax for whatever yeah. amount of years you want to relax. I'm not saying don't ever work again. That's up to you. But what I'm saying is take time for your family. 
because then you're going to roll back. You, you finish in the army one day, the next day you're working nine to five. And a lot of people are working from like six o'clock in the morning until 10. I'm like, bro, you're working more now than you did in the army. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh yeah. But I'm making a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000. I'm like, yeah, but you're not enjoying it. You, you don't, you can't even see your kid in the morning or see him when he go to bed. Yeah. Right. So is it worth it? I mean, if all you want is money, great. But if you want to enjoy, you know, have quality of life and enjoy your retirement, then spend time with your family. You haven't seen them in years, technically, right? <laughs> so spend time with them. Yeah. And then start looking for whatever else you want to do to add to your income. Uh, but that's just me, right? A lot of people just want to jump into the money because they think, oh, I'm going to do this only for 10 or 15 more years, which is not true. Every single person that have told me, I'm going to retire and I can do contracting for only five years, make enough money to save in the bank, pay my bills, and don't ever have to work again. 20 years later, they're still doing contracting. Yeah. Right? Still doing it, yeah. So it never freaking happens. But guess what? The day that I know, I know one guy that was planning actually on finishing doing contracting, he was doing the last trip that he was doing. He gets home, dies in a car accident. So guess what? Yeah. Every money that he saved because he was going to enjoy with his family for retirement, didn't get to enjoy it. Should enjoy the retirement no. first. Yeah, absolutely. You so, can't uh, you can't put off family. No, take time. Take time for yourself. Take time. Uh, a lot of times we think that by getting out and jumping right into a job will be fine mentally. Actually, you need to take time for your mental health without adding more stress. And when yeah. you add another job, you're adding stress. Absolutely, because you're you're still trying to figure out how to live, right? Yeah. The, I, I this it always kind of tripped me out when we were in, and people would say, "Oh, I'm going back to civvy life," and it was like as they were getting out, and I'm going to go live in the civilian world, right? <laughs> no, you're not. You're not like you're never going to be a civilian again, ever. I don't care if you decide you get out of the army, you're going to never touch a gun again. You're never going to do anything that you did. The mindset is different. You are no longer that person that first got in. And I try to tell people like you, you, you have to live a veteran life because that's who you are now. Right. And you have to be able to accept that. And it takes time to get out of, I'm a soldier to now I'm a veteran and to get over the fact that you're not a civilian and won't be ever again. Correct. So. No, no, you're correct. I, I think because um, you said this, this very same thing that you just said, you said it in the last BTSR podcast, right? That mm -hmm. the, the one that we did with you. And uh, I forgot where I was at and I told him about it. I go like, you know what? Charles said this and let me tell you what he said. And when I said it, everybody was like, man, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a hard lesson, though. It is yeah. a hard lesson. Yeah, it is. <laughs> to actually, like accept it uh and move forward with it is it's challenging and i know a lot of guys that want to get like they want to let go of that they don't want the military life they don't want to hold on to it they don't want to be that you know vet bro dude who's ah, uh it's got the big usmc friggin across the back of their truck windows or the uh uh one around with the army t-shirts or <laughs> whatever um but that never goes away man you'll always be you'll always have those skill sets well yep. To a degree uh if you don't train them obviously they kind of rust a little bit but like you said we'll walk into a store and you will always always we'll be watching people yep. we'll be just making sure everything's good <laughs> so, i got security <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely uh well again i can't thank you enough brother it has been my pleasure having you on here if anybody wanted to find you or learn more about what you do or engage you directly how would they do that Oh, yeah, you can uh, find me on Instagram as JP Cervantes, 180 Alpha. That's JP Cervantes, C-E-R-V-A-N-T-E-S, 180 and A for Alpha. Alpha. <laughs> and nice. you'll, you'll find, actually, as soon as you type JP Cervantes, probably my profile will come up unless, you know, there's a few out there that, that are using my picture for to scam women, but that's not my problem, I guess. <laughs> 
I don't know how to do think, it. Uh, you know how hard yeah. it is. It was for me to even find a girlfriend, and these guys are scamming women with my pictures. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you do that? I don't know, man. I, I I thought the same thing. I was like, how how do you all how do all of a sudden there's always stories about people that are like being taken advantage of by these people and that person, this person. And I'm like, but I can't even meet like the dude down the street, let alone. <laughs> it messed no, up. But then, then, no problem. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to the podcast, man. I really appreciate that. It is it is absolutely my pleasure. I can't uh, can't thank you enough. It is it's. Great conversation. I think we there's definitely a lot of tools also throughout this that people are going to be able to take a hold of and really utilize moving forward. So, hope so. Thank you again, brother. It's been awesome. Bye. That concludes another episode of the Toolbox. I really appreciate you all listening. It has been my absolute pleasure bringing you this guest. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, do all that other wicked stuff. It uh, helps me keep the lights on. To all those out there putting it on the line every day, I just want to let you know that I appreciate you military veterans first responders civil servants you name it keep this place running and i really do appreciate it so thank you don't forget stay open stay humble stay focused with grace not slack gmo